our most precious treasures, even an empty puppet, the trees of the forest and the petals on the wind. There are hearts around us everywhere we look. This is a podcast about the Kingdom Hearts franchise. to Skies of Academia, a podcast about critical analysis of games, their systems, and their social and cultural influences. Uh, my name is uh, Dustin, I'll be your host, and with me today is Luke. Oh god, that intro was so professional. I cannot, <laughs> I cannot live up to the standards you've set, Dustin. This is literally the only semi-professional podcast I do, which is why I haven't released an episode for it in like two years. Yeah, yeah. Which I guess, I guess it makes, it is sort of poetic then that it took so long to release this new episode when we're going to be talking about Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, you left so many weird lingering questions at the end of The Last Skies of Academia. Really didn't make yeah. that much sense, but I figured, oh, the next, the next episode of the podcast will clearly clear everything up. Yeah, exactly. You know, there are so many questions about near Automata <laughs> that will be answered by... Kingdom Hearts. Maybe if you go play the mobile edition of this podcast, you can figure out some things. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you you recently finished Kingdom Hearts, like all of it. Yeah, I they sold like a collection that was like Kingdom Hearts 3, Kingdom Hearts 2.8, Final Chapter Prologue, yeah, you got it right. Nice. Uh, and Kingdom First Hearts 1.5 plus 2.5. Yeah, I think they uh, called that one the... No, it wasn't the story so far. That was a different one. Yeah, I think it was like the complete package or something. It, it was yeah. it was all that for 100 bucks, And everyone was talking about Kingdom Hearts 3 and very excited about it. And I was like, all right, fine. I'll, I'll buy this and play all of them. Fine. And yeah, I played yeah. about a Kingdom Hearts game a week for two and a half months which is a pretty good pace because when i went back and replayed through all the games it took me like a couple weeks to get through most of them yeah um you know i'd say like birth by sleep i think took me a couple weeks about two to three days per um per character yeah that sounds about right uh but most of the others took me about two weeks yeah Uh, but yeah so the one of the reasons that i thought it would be fun to get uh you on alongside me for this is that uh you're uh, you're someone who just recently you know played through kingdom hearts uh to find out what the fuss was about right and i have been on this train since the very beginning yeah we were really coming Uh, at this from from two different sides i've got a long standing record of dumping on kingdom hearts games (laughs) yeah i remember back in the day when no one knew who roxas was and yeah. so we were all just on the game facts calling forums calling him BHK standing for blonde haired kid. Great. Great. Let me tell you, the I I still have some some nostalgia for the relative innocence of when I would mostly use message boards to talk about the deep dive trailer <laughs> and what it meant. Uh which one was that? 
Uh, that's the one. Uh, oh, that, that that's like the extended cut King, of the original Kingdom one, right? Kingdom Hearts 1. Yeah, uh, yeah, that, yeah. Yeah, that one was also in... Um, I, I'm pretty sure that secret ending was also in the original uh, KH1 as well, not just Final Mix. If I remember right, because I've had to research a bunch of this lately, the original KH1 had another side, another story, and then Final Mix had a longer cut of it called Another Side, Another Story Deep Dive. Ah, uh, okay, yes, that would make sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that those were those were the days trying to figure out what the heck it meant. And it's like, why does this dude have two keyblades? He's got Oblivion and Oathkeeper. Yeah, what? It's crazy. Uh, uh, but yeah, you are you are correct. So I was thinking of another side of their story, which was the uh, one that was in Kingdom Hearts One and Final Mix included Deep Dive. Yeah, that uh, has um, extra stuff and hints at the organization. Right, and Final Mix didn't come out in America until like way later, right? Yeah, yeah. It was initially Japan only. In yeah. fact, uh, both of the Final Mixes, uh, Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2 Final Mix, didn't come out in the U.S. until the PS3 remakes. Right. So it was just so. like finding some bad like VHS rip of it or something to watch it online? Yeah. Well, so, yeah. So, I mean, you would you would just go to YouTube and watch it there, yeah. basically. Um, or download a file or something but right, yeah, yeah like, like kingdom hearts like, one is old enough that like youtube wasn't really a thing yet yeah or, or some hardcore fans would actually uh import final mix because right. much like kingdom Heart, much like final fantasy 10 international uh which was a japan only re-release of uh 10 and 10 2 mm-hmm. um the it had an english voice track but japanese oh, menus i see so, like, you could still, like, play the story and hear the voices in English, but, like, you, you just have to know Japanese to read the menus or at least I memorize gotcha. where the positions were. So, yeah, it's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I those those final big... mixes or international editions were really weird. Yeah, one of the things I've learned going through this is, mm, I'm glad I waited until all these games were out to play any of them. Yeah, it... It, it certainly cuts down a lot of frustration, yeah, I will say that. It seems like there was a lot of waiting and a lot of not understanding what the hell is going on. Yeah. Um, Kingdom Heart. I guess we'll start with Kingdom Hearts 1. I don't really know. I I haven't decided on a structure for this. I just sure. kind of want to, like, sort of... Because I don't want to necessarily go over just 100% what you already wrote in your Medium articles, which right. I will be linking in the show notes because every sh- everyone should read them. They're very good. Yeah, uh, I, I figured this is just an excuse. excuse. Even if you're extremely wrong about Coded. I was going to say, I just figured this is an excuse for you to yell at me about all the things I'm wrong about. <laughs> I mean, only 20%. <laughs> <sighs> uh, but Kingdom Hearts 1 is a game that I played a lot when it first came out and is very difficult to justify now. (laughs) Yeah. I Kingdom Hearts one is the only one I'd played any of before. Now Uh, I played a little bit of it when it was fairly new. I like borrowed it from a friend and uh, got to the Alice in Wonderland world and was like, nah, I'm good. Actually, you can have this one back, buddy. Yeah, it, Kingdom Hearts 1 has an issue, and this will like still crop up occasionally in other yeah. games, where the level design is very dull, 
and the story just has nothing to speak of in there to really care about. Yeah, the level design is dull, and it's really, like, obtuse and confusing in a lot of the worlds. It's just, like, what, yeah. what do you, you can't figure out what you're supposed to do, because what you're supposed to do is backtrack to the beginning of the area for no reason, and then fight an enemy that's there, and then that'll trigger a cutscene. Yeah, even Kingdom Hearts 1 is particularly notorious for that. Yeah. Uh, it, it's clear that... It seems to be... It seems to be clear that that team just didn't know how to make like a a sort of 3D action world design that's yeah. not just straight up linear. Right. Uh and there yeah, there are a lot of hidden story triggers that aren't always obvious. Uh I mean heck, even before you get to Alice in Wonderland, mm-hmm. you've got Traverse Town yeah. where you got to enter like that one main square. But from a particular entrance, there are two of them. If you get any, got to go into the correct one. Yeah, I remember a few years ago, I was I tried to get into Kingdom Hearts then, and I streamed playing Kingdom Hearts one, and you were like watching. I don't know if you were like talking to me or just like watching the stream, and I was just getting angrier and angrier at the game for not letting me just progress through Traverse Town, and you for liking the game. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds accurate. Um. I mean, even today, when I went back and replayed Kingdom Hearts 1, um, leading up to Kingdom Hearts 3's release, I think I started replaying them back in December. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even now, when I got to Traverse Town for that first time, I was like, ah, shit, how do I do this again? Yeah, it's like there's (laughs) an alleyway. Even I don't know sometimes. There's an alleyway, and there's two doors into it. And if you walk through one of the doors, nothing happens. If you walk through the other door, then it triggers a cutscene. And there's no reason for that to be the case. Yeah. Um, and also just the the platforming is a lot clunkier. Yeah. Like, they have you do that race at the beginning, which I do like the concept behind that race with Riku. Right. Where you've got a... Um, like where if you beat him, not only do you get the pow pow fruit, uh, but also like you get to name the gummy ship. Otherwise, you're just stuck with, uh, well, Highland. they call it, you know, yeah. Like in in that frame before you get the gummy ship, it's just who gets to name the raft, right? But like it ends up being the gummy ship name, which is pretty cute. It's pretty cute. It's cute. I I've. <laughs> I suddenly started trying to think about that too hard, and I'm gonna stop because don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah look, don't don't think about the fact that if Riku wins for some reason, his will overwrites yours in naming the gummy ship. Well, you see, it's, Justin, it's just... hearts can travel through time if they leave their bodies, and they can etch the future into the hearts uh, of the past. <laughs> uh, I mean, his heart hadn't left his body at that point, though. Yeah, that's true. That's true. In fact, does Riku's heart ever leave his body until Kingdom Hearts 3? He gets, like, partially possessed by Xehanort in 1, but I don't know if that counts. Yeah, I think his heart is still there, though. It's yeah, at, at most it's a Terra situation where his heart is just floating behind him. But he doesn't have a cool stand, so I don't even think yeah, that happens. Yeah, he, he, gets, he gets Norted. He doesn't get his... Right. He's the first Nort. He is the first Nort. Um, so, gosh, Kingdom Hearts 1 is a game I still kind of like just for, just for what it represents as, like, this, this is back when Square would actually try to do weird-ass shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And this is definitely the weirdest thing, one of the weirdest things they've ever done. 
in right. recent years. Like, it, it was just bizarre that you would even attempt to, like, make a game where Eris and Squall, Leonhart, and Yuffie would just be hanging out with Donald Duck. Right. And, like, when the news broke, most everyone was like, that, all right, good luck, I guess. I'm listening. <laughs> um, and then and... you hear, like, the weird stories about, like, oh, the only reason that game happened is because Square and Disney shared an office building and the, like, executives talked to each other. Yeah. Like, like hey, you know what would be fun? Let's something. do a weird yeah. cross-marketing thing. Yeah, it's it's so bizarre. And honestly, it's it's kind of a miracle that it even worked as well as it did. Yeah, yeah. Like, it, it really is a testament to, like, uh, you know, there are so many things wrong with that game. But it really is a testament to just the core writing and story of that game. Yeah. That it connected so well with people that they made as many sequels to it as they did. And it became as big of a thing as it did. Because all, by all rights, that should not have worked. Yeah, yeah, and then the writing pretty much works in that game, especially because at that point you're not tired of seeing the Disney movies be, like, played out in a video game. Yeah, so, like, at, at that point it's still kind of a novel experience to be going through the Disney world, even though in Kingdom Hearts 1 most of them kind of suck to actually play through. Yeah, 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 gameplay-wise I think that game is just straight up bad. Uh, like, I don't have very many nice things to say about it as a game, but as a story it's... Not amazing, but it's solid. Yeah, and honestly, it is kind of fun to see, like, the genie interact with Sora and Donald and Goofy. Yeah, yeah. Like, there, there is a certain, like, just, you know, primal appeal to that. Uh, and, like, the the non-Disney segments, the, the one where, like, where they're building their own lore, it, it was certainly, like, there was some... There was a little weird stuff going on. Yeah. But it was... And, and you mentioned this, I think most people, like, would agree with this. It's still largely straightforward at this point. Yeah, um, it, it gets a little it, weird at the end because suddenly people are talking about Kingdom Hearts when that hasn't been established as a concept yet. Yeah, and also Ansem turns into a battleship for some reason. He turns into a big meat spaceship. <laughs> yeah, which, I love that boss design. It's really they good They do looking. not justify it at all. No, don't even try. It's it, that's maybe the most Final Fantasy thing in that in that game. Yeah. Just because like how many Final Fantasies have ended with here's the actual final boss which is a just friggin weird thing. God, how good would it be? I'm jumping way ahead. We're just spoiling Kingdom Hearts 3, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we're okay. so we are warning to everyone if you did not pick up on this already, we are spoiling literally every Kingdom Hearts game. Please do not listen to this podcast if you are not prepared to be spoiled on every Kingdom Hearts game yeah. and and other related media. Yeah. I was going to say, the moment in 3 where, like, Ansem's stand rips the bandages off its mouth and it turns out that it's Terra is really great and I love it. How much yeah. better would it be, though, if he had morphed into the meat ship and crushed the Ansem under it? <laughs> that would be... Amazing. And then, you know what? Just leave him that way. He can't turn back into Terra. Aqua just looks into the eye of this giant meat ship and is like, no, just Terra? The, yeah, like the 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 Dark Guardian fuses with 
lingering will. Right. Like, Power Rangers Megazord style to form the meat battleship. Yeah, yes. Square Enix, if you'd like to hire us for punch-up work, we're yeah. here. Yeah, please hire me. I will make a Kingdom Hearts sequel uh, where your party members are uh, Shion, Aqua, and Kairi, and they go to the Goof Troop world. Hell yes, this all sounds great. My idea uh, was and, to and they ha- and they and they all form a band where at the end they play eye to eye. Oh, that's great. Uh my pitch along those lines was that the next game, maybe not the next one, but eventually they need to do one where the like overall structure of it is based on a goofy movie and it's about Goofy taking his son Max on a road trip to be trained under Keyblade Master Sora. Oh god, that would be really good too. Right? It, it, oh, do man. it like I, like the new Star Wars, where like now Sora's an old man. Yeah, like I love Goofy in Kingdom Hearts. He, Goofy's like, incredible in Kingdom Hearts. He's so good, and uh, he he might actually be one of my favorite characters in that game, just because he's so pure. Yeah, and he is such a dad. I don't know if I'd quite go that far, but I do love the running joke that he is the smartest person in the room because oh, yeah. he's Goofy. Yeah, Goofy frequently is the only one who has, like, any good suggestions. Right. <laughs> like, especially since Mickey is a good fighter, yeah. but he makes so many bad decisions. Oh, Mickey sucks so much. <laughs> like, Aqua was stuck in the darkness for ten years because Mickey didn't want to tell anybody. He didn't even try, Dustin. <laughs> he didn't even make an attempt. No. Well, to be fair, he didn't know she was there for the whole ten years. He only found her during Kingdom Hearts 1. I mean, even still, even it's still, like... yeah. He he knew he left her there, and he's like, well, I assume she'll be okay. Like, no, dude. <laughs> Kingdom Hearts 2 ends, and it should have just been immediately, alright, the whole organization situation's taken care of. As far as we know, Xehanort's done. Who wants to help me go save Aqua? Yeah, time to go save Aqua. But no, it's like... All right, time to fuck around with unlocking the power of waking, I guess. Yeah, yeah. We should, we should, do we want to try and stick to going in order here? Yeah, we'll try. Yeah. So, uh, Kingdom Hearts 1 um, is mostly just, like, there to prove that the idea actually works. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, like, that that's not to diminish it, because I, I, again, I still really like that game from a story perspective. It's just not very fun to actually play nowadays yeah i agree i do like that it has almost like a proto organization 13 where like all the disney villains are like a cabal of villains yeah and i wish uh, i think they mentioned this on on lore reasons um which is waypoints podcast about kingdom hearts right uh, where they get they get things constantly wrong but that's the fun yeah exactly uh um they, I think they mentioned that like they they had wished that that w- that happened more often in the future games where like yeah. villains would actually get together, and that that kind of would have been fun. Uh, at at the very least, I think it would would have improved the future games if the worlds would interact a little more and the stories would be more malleable. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. That's the biggest least. problem. I mean, again, yeah, j- jumping ahead a little bit, the Toy Story world in Kingdom Hearts three is fantastic because it's malleable and they. Like do crazy Kingdom Hearts shit with Woody and Buzz. Yeah, both both it and um also like I did enjoy the Big Hero Six one a lot as well. That one's all right. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, so yeah, Kingdom Hearts 1 comes out, uh, and then, like, with Kingdom Hearts, uh, with the secret movie, and then combined with Deep Dive, that's, like, the first indication that things are gonna get wild. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, you have this very straightforward story, and then crazy future city, some dude dual-wielding keyblades fighting Riku in a blindfold. Yeah, and, um... Yeah, and, like, this is the point where uh, Kingdom Hearts becomes not just, like, a fun, like, game experiment, but a thing that people speculate about on message boards, forums, and, and, like, wait expectantly for the next game. Like, this this is what started that, is the deep dive trailer. Um, Like, and, and people coming up with insane fan theories... And, uh, and, like, coming up with, like, fandom slang that's completely impenetrable for anyone outside to try and, like, come up with a grant, come up with syntax, uh, come up with, like, vocabulary for things we don't know about yet. Like, again, BHK, blonde-haired kid, for explaining who Roxas is before we knew that he was Roxas. Right. Uh, and it's just... I kind of loved that time. Yeah, that's, it's a fun time when you just can... The speculation is endless for something that you're into. Yeah, it, it's really great. And, and I and I will still say that I think Deep Dive did that better than almost any other secret ending. Yeah, I think that's true. I think the... I think Yozora kind of gets close. Yeah, so Yozora definitely gets, th- gets close. Especially since, like, Yozora is the... Only one since Deep Dive where people have made, like, a huge theory for it. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I think we just cracked it. The best way to do a Kingdom Hearts secret ending, you need lots of footage of wet concrete. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you gotta set it in what seems to be the real world. Gotta have people running up skyscrapers. Right. Which, (laughs) I mean, that is pretty dope. Oh, and they know it's pretty dope, and they will reuse that shot over and over and over again. Yeah, so many times. Um, So, yeah, uh, eventually... So, we don't get the answer to that. Well, we get some of the answers to you that. You get, like, a whisper of a hint of an answer to yeah. it in the next really game. The, yeah, the in the next game that comes out, Chain of Memories, Yeah, we don't get who Blonde Haired Kid is. No. We don't get the world that never was. But we what we do get is an origin for the Black Coats. Or at least what we right. thought at the time was the origin. It's, before, like, yeah. uh, Back Cover came out and then... A oh, whole sure. lot of other shit got more complicated. Right, but I mean, I don't think... Like, they don't say where the black coats come from. They just say, hey, where are these black coats? They do this, this, and this. Yeah, yeah. So, Chain of Memories is... One of the best ones. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I will agree that it is one of the best stories. I, um, I think it is, yeah. Up there for best story, honestly? Probably up there for best gameplay, too. I don't agree with that at all. Uh, I think mostly because, I mean, it could have been. Yeah. But I think they tuned the battles just a little too hard, so that even... And I played the original GBA release. Right, I played um, the remake, as which, the first one I did. based on what I've seen, the GBA one is the better one. I attempted to play the remake, and even on 
easy difficulty, yeah. I could not get past like the second organization fight. Okay, it was just yeah, yeah. too hard for me to keep track of everything happening. At, it's that, it's really hard, and screen. it really like throws a lot of shit at you that you have to juggle. Um, and and yeah. like this is coming from a guy who d- didn't really have any trouble with uh, the world with the, the the world ends with you. Yeah, like I was mostly fine playing that. game. Oh, I had a very hard time with the world ends with you, which I that's also interesting. Played. Yeah, that's interesting because like I I I wasn't amazing at that game, but I. I, I was handling the the two screens pretty well. I had to bump down to easy for every boss fight. Oh man, yeah. Uh, I I could not deal with the three um, D space being added to. I totally the get that. Play yeah. of uh, chain of memories, uh, especially since I I could barely do the boss fights in the GBA release where you didn't right. have to worry about three dimensions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I've kind of had a similar situation to you where I was having a hard time. Uh, you know, I, I was getting through the fights, but they were hard. And eventually I had a boss fight that I just couldn't do. And I kind of took a step back and was just like, all right, I'm doing something wrong here. And I got good at using the, I forget what they're called, like the trumps. The slights. Or, the slights, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it just turned into, okay, now instead of just trying to play an action game with cards, the actual game is happening during, like, the deck-building phase, and then in combat, I just mash triangle and play all the, like, special moves that I've tailored to come out at certain times and instantly win. And that was a lot of fun. I I may go back to Chain of Memories at some point, the GBA version, just because when I first played it, I was a lot younger, and I don't know, I maybe one of the reasons why I had so much trouble with it was that I just, you know, wasn't smart enough at the time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'd like to give it a shot again, because the Chain of Memory storyline, like, really is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, and it's And it's the first game that really gets wild with sort of the metaphysics of that universe. Right, and it kind of... It does a surprisingly good job at it, too. Yeah, like, it's... The stuff it tries to do with memory and, you know, exploring, like, what memories are and, you know, are they important and do your memories... Are your memories what make you the person you are? Can you still be called you if you don't have those memories or if your memories are altered? Like, are all pretty neat questions, and they're handled with surprising depth for a game with Disney characters in it that's made for the GBA. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, just the idea that, like, because the whole plot of that game is that Sora is slowly having his memories stripped away, and having, like, his memories of Kairi replaced with memories of Namine, who's her nobody. And, like... They don't have really on-the-nose scenes where, like, Sora's holding his head in confusion and pain, or here's, like, a flashback to something where, like, Kairi's fading away or something. It's just, once that switch happens, Sora just talks completely like, no, no, what are you talking about? I've always been friends with the Namine. What do you mean? Yeah, yeah, Sora acts, like, completely like he usually does. It's just slowly his memories start not lining up with everybody else's. Yeah, and, like, Uh, even when it's revealed, like, what's happening is revealed to him, he's like, well, that's 
weird, but I still remember it happening this way, so that's still what my feelings are based on. Yeah, yeah, like he, Suara takes the stance of, uh, even if the memories are fake, my feelings about them are still real. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's hard to argue against that. Right. Uh, though at the same time, like, it's it's clearly gaslighting. Yeah, that's the one kind of stumble I have with this game, is that, yeah, Naminé has magical gaslighting powers, and it's just kind of like, well, that's okay, you just want friends, that's fine, don't worry about it. And it's not really examined beyond that. I mean, I do think the, the, the game, because, like, Naminé, like, clearly doesn't like that she is being forced to do it. And I oh, think sure. Naminé realizes that it's pretty messed up. And, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's more that just Sora is an extremely forgiving boy. Right, yeah. Sora is a uh, sweet cause I, lad. Yeah, because I don't think the game itself, like, overall ever really tries to say that, oh, yeah, it's fine. It's okay. No, n- not, I don't think it's trying to say that. It just kind of, because Naminé is, like, a good-hearted person who's being coerced into doing it, it never really has to make Sora reckon with how screwed up this is. You know what I mean? Oh, that that's true, yeah. Because it wasn't, because she wasn't doing it, it maliciously to him. Right. He never, if it would be a different story if she was intentionally doing it with him, doing it to him because she desperately wanted someone to be friends with her. Right. If it wasn't coerced. And, yeah. like, she knew it was wrong, but she did it anyway because she was desperate. That that would definitely make for a much more complex thing for Sora to deal with. Where yeah. he, he may he may end up actually liking Naminé as a friend and wanting to help her, but then trying to figure out, like, well, I mean, she did something wrong. She did something real bad to me. I mean, there's got to have, like, a punishment there, right? There's got to be some sort of recompense. Right, yeah, or even not a punishment, just I have to work through my feelings about this. And yeah, like, yeah. Like, work through uh, what forgiving you is going to look like. Yeah, um, like, how does... Yeah, whereas... Yeah, that that's true. Whereas in, in the scenario created by Chain of Memories, it's just like, oh, well, you didn't have a choice. So it's right. really just the organization's fault, and I already, like, murdered half of them. <laughs> they kill the organization members so fast! Extremely quickly. They go down like flies. Uh, like, it really feels like they did not think they were getting a game after Kingdom Hearts 2. Yeah. Yeah, it did kind of... does kind of seem like that. Yeah. Um, um, especially since, like... Uh, a lot of the organization members are, like, pretty fun characters. Like, Larkseen yeah. is great. Larkseen's great, and I'm really bummed she's not in more of the series. Yeah, especially since, like, she is the only female member of the organization oh, yeah. before Shion comes along. We could talk for a while about how bad this series is with its female characters. Oh, God, can we ever. I really like Zexion as a villain, too, and he also just gets murdered. Yeah, Zexion is fun. Marluxia is really the o- Marluxia is really the only villain who sticks around in the organization for any length of time before we even because I don't think we even meet uh, Zenmus. No, Zenmus isn't in Chain of Memories. Yeah, because he's off doing his other shit. Yeah, they just talk about the Superior. Yeah, yeah, we don't get to meet him. Um, 
But yeah, I, even as a kid, I remember like seeing Larxene and going like, "Oh, she's pretty rad," and like finally another female character for right. once. And then like you almost immediately kill her. I'm like, "Oh well, that sucks." Yeah, <laughs> I was hoping for more of her. Well, you got more of her eventually, you know, a little bit. Yeah, true. I mean, to be fair, the scenes she gets in Kingdom Hearts three are pretty good especially she gets to they be are. right the entire time <laughs> yeah she is very good um, um yeah and and also like one of the neat things about chain of memories is that they do one of the they do something that they rarely actually do in kingdom hearts game where they let you play as another character besides sora yeah you get oh, a whole you... like second story as riku yeah and and the stuff with riku um, becoming a centrist, the ultimate centrist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which, which I mean, yeah, I mean, there's there's a joke to be made there, but I think that's, I mean, I don't I don't think it's actually what they were going for. No, he's it's because his whole thing, he was a bad guy in one because he got seduced by the darkness. Yeah, and then like he like his whole story in Chain of Memories is just he is racked with guilt and depression about how he turned on his friends and he's having to work through that and it's less like oh i'm gonna go down the middle between good and evil and more just the like the darkness from like the sad times of my life are always gonna be there but i can just carry that with me and like i'm not a broken person because of it yeah yeah like i i'm carrying a lot of darkness within me from my experiences but i can channel those experiences to help people instead of hurt them yeah. is very clearly what they're going for there. Right, and it blows everybody's mind that, like, wait, you can use darkness and not be evil? What? Yeah, what? you mean you don't have to be a pure innocent child to be a hero? Right. Uh, and also, I just, even though Mickey sucks, look, he does, I do really like his friendship with Riku. Well, yeah, and he does, I don't think he sucks in Chain of Memories. I think he's pretty good there. Yeah, we don't really... We don't get the full extent of how much he sucks until Birth by Sleep, really. Yeah, and even then, and like, even yeah. and even then, not then. It's really until uh, it really isn't until Fragmentary Passage. Yeah, that's when it's really like, oh, Mickey, you jackass. Yeah, so here, like Mickey is just, oh man, it's Mickey Mouse. He rules, right? Uh, and like he's got a really cool friendship with Riku and they have really good interactions together and honestly like that stays the case even up to Kingdom Hearts 3 where like yeah. I loved every scene where Mickey and Riku interacted with each other yeah they've got that really great bit in Chain of Memories where like Riku is trying to say he needs to go fight Ansem alone and if the worst happens and he gets possessed he needs Mickey to kill him and Mickey just like keeps cutting him off and be like yep I'll be right there to save you don't worry and like, no yeah. that's not what I'm and he just, like, won't let him ask that of him. And it's it's a good scene. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's very well written. Um, and I think it surprised a lot of people. And, man, it sure was an important game for just suddenly appearing on a Nintendo console. Yeah, I don't think people understood yet that King there was no such thing as a side game in Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the probably the most side game we get is... Union Cross, and even then, even there's that, some important though, yeah. shit that goes down in there. Yeah, I, I thought you were gonna say Coded, because, listen, Coded is objectively the best story in the series, but, as far uh, I, as the overarching plot, it's pretty skippable. Yeah, I, I, I would also 
Uh, Coded is also definitely pretty skippable. Yeah. Though, because I'm trying to think what actually comes out of that in Kingdom Hearts. Because I guess the things, the important things that happen, well, we'll get to that later, actually. Yeah, all that, I, yeah, we'll, we'll get to it. But yeah, Coded is just letting Mickey know about, like, Ventus and shit. That's all. Yeah, so, uh, Chain of Memories ends, like, with uh, Riku getting put in the memory flower. Oh, no, Sora getting uh, put in the memory flower. Sorry, Sora getting put yeah, in yeah. the memory flower. And then Riku exiting the castle and, um, sort of working with Mickey to find a way out of the Dark Realm. Right, yeah. Uh, and then, like... I'm I'm actually not sure if there's like a secret movie. I can't. I don't I think cannot there is. Remember if I, I, I think the one. Riku campaign is the secret movie. Yeah, probably because like it was a GBA cartridge, so like yeah. you probably you're not gonna fit all that much. You're, on you're not getting CGI vit movies onto a GBA cart. Yeah, no. Like I think it had some more complicated renderings uh, for like cutscenes, but yeah, it was very. I think yeah. for, like, the intro, maybe. It's been a while since I played the GBA version, but right. I think there was a little bit, but, yeah, you're not going to fit that much onto a cartridge. Yeah, there's that really brutal moment at the end of uh, Sora's story where Naminé's like, well, I can put all your memories back, but if I do that, you'll forget everything about Castle Oblivion and me. And Sora's just like, well, you're my friend, and right now I love you more than anything because you made me that way. But I think I want my old memories back. And she just, like, is silent for a beat and goes, Oh, yeah, no, of course you'd rather have all your friends than just me. That's fine. That's okay. It's yeah, like, oh, jeez! Like, <laughs> yeah, and the and the brutal, and the, what makes that scene really brutal is that, like, Sora's kind of right. He's got a oh, point. Oh, yeah! No, absolutely! Like, Sora's like, choosing the correct thing. <laughs> right, but just, Domine is crushed by it, and it's so sad. Yeah, yeah. There's... Uh, this is also the start of where Kingdom Hearts becomes a series about Sora interacting with a lot of sad people. Yes, very much. Uh, Nominee being the first one, and you could make a compelling argument for Repliku as yeah, well. Yeah, I was going to say, we need to get to Repliku a little bit too, yeah. Yeah, Repliku is also interesting because that sort of is the first time that we see... Because, like, Naminé is our first interaction, like, with a nobody of a person we already are familiar with, which is kind of... Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, the the organization is all nobodies, but they're nobodies of people we aren't familiar with yet. Right. Uh, But then, then, Replica Riku is our first instance of, like, a cloning being a thing that can happen. Yeah, yeah, Uh uh-huh. Like, there's a lot of ways to make alternate versions of people in Kingdom Hearts, and we only, and we find more as this series goes on. Yeah, yeah, they, like, clone Riku and then, like, screw with his memories so that he just wants to protect Naminé, so that yeah, he and Sora just fight each other all the time. Yeah, because Naminé also implants memories in Replica Riku, so they right. both think that they're supposed to be her guardian, which yeah. is... They've... She basically she basically implants a sort of twisted, darkened version of what Riku... Uh, original flavor Riku and Sora's relationship was with Kairi in the first yeah. game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
where they were like sort of friendly rivals for her affection but like you know they still both cared about her until like riku got norted uh right. yeah and so this uh this is more like if that relationship turned really dark and possessive yeah yeah and then like uh, the big the big thing that frustrates me about chain of memories is that by the end of it repliku has learned that he's a replica and that like he can be his own person independent from everything and like he's gonna go off and like make his own way and you know what maybe he can have his own friendship with sora like independent from riku and it's just like this positive note and then you jump over to the riku campaign and it's like a different writer took over for Repliku and was like, nah, actually, he's just going to be obsessed with murdering Riku and die. That's, that's yeah. how we get into this character. Yeah, I, I am glad that they brought him back for Kingdom Hearts 3 because he gets a yeah. much better end that way. I was so happy when he was back in 3. Yeah. Because he's so this like, weird niche character that I figured no one really cares about, but I liked him a lot. I was like, oh, yeah. oh, it's him. My boy. It's, it's, such, it's such a random ass and almost like inconsequential inclusion in terms of like the overall plot that I gotta yeah. believe that Nomura thought the same thing that you did and I was like, that's not okay. I gotta fix this. Yeah, and he just gets this nice <laughs> moment where like his ghost like knocks one of the organization members out of a replica body, so it's just like a blank slate. And he goes like, oh, there you go. You can take it over and become your own person. He's like, nah. I'm just gonna die, because now I can use that replica body to save Naminé, and finally, like, make good on the promise I made to her. I'm like, aw! God. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a way better ending for him than he yeah. got in Chain of Memories, so I, Kingdom Hearts 3 does do some things, right? Oh, absolutely, it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, do, do you have uh, anything more you want to talk about about Chain of Memories? I think that about covers it. Yeah, Chain of Memories was one where, like, I remember it being really divisive both for at the time both for the combat system and also for the fact that like people were expecting the kingdom hearts games to be on sony platforms right and so a lot of people who couldn't necessarily like because again a lot of people playing these games at the time were children or teenagers yeah you know weren't gonna be able to afford both a playstation 2 and a game boy advance yeah, that does um, suck. So, yeah, at the time, for that demographic, like, it wasn't necessarily guaranteed that you could even play Chain of Memories. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was... It was pretty divisive for that reason, and I know a lot of people got upset. Um, I think justifiably. Yeah, I, I think that was one of the frustrating things, like, looking at Kingdom Hearts. It was like, geez, you need to own, like six different consoles to play through this series yeah and also if you want to play kingdom hearts chi uh live in japan yeah yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah it's i'm glad that for the most part it's all been consolidated onto one platform now yeah yeah um so let's move on to kingdom hearts 2 oh yeah and before we get really deep into it I do want to mention a personal grudge I have against Tetsuya Nomura for one particular decision oh. that does God. not matter, but it matters to me. <laughs> Go on, I know what you're going to say. <laughs> so, in Kingdom Hearts 1, there is concept art of, like, Riku from Final Fantasy X taking the role that 
was given to Yuffie in in Kingdom Hearts 1. And she didn't get that role. And there's some speculation that maybe it was just because of the name, which, I don't know, maybe, but the thing is... I mean, that makes sense to me. But the thing is, like, Riku and Ryuku are... do actually sound different in Japanese. That's fair. Okay. Uh... So, I don't know, no one's really sure why uh, Yuffie was the one who was chosen. But I was like, oh, well, that sucks. Well, maybe they'll put her in a, in another game. And yeah, they, they do, did. in yeah. Kingdom Hearts 2, as a joke character fairy. Yeah, well, it's very, like, Ten Two inspired, right? I hate it. <laughs> it's like the, the Ten Two trio is, like, a bunch of fairies that are, like, Trying to steal, like they're thieves trying to steal from Ansem's castle. Yeah, that's fun. It's fine. Like I, if I am able to remove myself uh, from from the fact that I wanted to see my favorite Final Fantasy character get a little yeah. more screen time, yes, it is. It is a clever idea, and it is, and it is funny. But that's just my personal irrational grudge right. that I will never forgive Nomura for. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they she could have had Yuffie's role, a much larger role, and instead she's a just fairy character who doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, I guess she gives you a good keyblade that gives you, like, an EXP boost. Well, there that's you go. Nice. What more do you want? <laughs> Uh, anyway, so Kingdom Hearts 2 is wild. Yeah, it's there's a lot going on in this one, huh? Yeah, I mean, what's interesting about Kingdom Hearts 2 is that even though it didn't come out much that farther away from Kingdom Hearts 1, I think it came out, um, God, uh, KH1 came out in 2002, Kingdom Hearts 2 came out in 2005, only three years. Yeah. Uh, so despite only being, like, three years difference between them, Kmart's 2 just feels so much more fully featured and competently made. Yeah, yeah. It, it feels like Kingdom Hearts 1, but, like, streamlined and, like, developed more. Yeah, and, like, it's still one of my favorite combat systems. Ah, uh, see, that's that's where you lose me. Like, I think the combat system is fine. Like, it's it's totally serviceable, but not remarkable to me. Um... I guess maybe it's just because, like, I like the command deck, but I never, I always thought it was, like, a nice alternative, but yeah. not, like, strictly better. Yeah, listen, we will th- get, we're, we'll get to Birth by Sleep. The command yeah. deck is where my heart belongs. I I think what I what I really loved about Kingdom Hearts 2 was the reaction commands. The reaction commands are cool. Because, like, the reaction commands allow them to essentially put cutscenes in the battles without actually wresting control away from you sure uh and i remember like one of my favorite battles in the fran in the whole franchise is still that first honestly they're both roxas battles uh the first one that he has against oh with like the giant his, dusk against the giant nobody yeah 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 um where like one of the reaction commands is like, he just flips the entire stage, you grab onto it with your keyblade, you fall into him, and then, like, you, like, hit his big 
like energy orb with your keyblade and it makes a big explosion it's so dope and yeah, it's cool the and the and the uh theme music that plays is one of the best battle themes in the entire game tension is mm-hmm. so good yeah, yeah i've i actually had that as my uh alarm on my phone for a while <laughs> uh and then um roxas's fight with axel uh near the very end of the prologue is also like super cool and has it's it's very easy to miss the reaction command in there but is so badass yeah i like when Uh, axel's all like i'm so flattered yeah (laughs) it's a good line read axel has some amazing voice acting yeah uh in in kingdom hearts 2 really in, in all the games but in kingdom hearts 2 like he makes for a really good pseudo villain. Yeah, he's he's Axel's great. Listen, that's that, there's no getting around that. Yeah. Also, I I don't think I really appreciated it at the time cuz I was just like, "Oh, I want to get back to Kingdom Hearts." But that prologue with Roxas is so good. That prologue is some of the best stuff in the entire series, yeah. Uh it is just how it sort of like ramps up like the weirdness and the mystery uh, until and you're very much put into Roxas's shoes yeah where you can empathize with him and go like shit dude I don't know what's going on either yeah like he doesn't know what's going on it's it's like he's having these weird dissociative episodes except he's not he just lives in the matrix yeah and like and what makes it even better is that like he clearly can recognize some things because, again, like we'll find out in three fifty eight over two. Yeah. But he he still has some, much like Sora, has vague recollection recollections of the things that happened to him when his memories were being fucked with. Right. But so does Roxas as he's going through all this. So he knows something's off, and he recognizes some things, but not exactly. And like as as people who played Kingdom Hearts one and Chain of Memories you're going to recognize some things too. Like you're going to recognize who Axel is, but you're not going to know why the hell he's there. And you're certainly not going to know who the hell Roxas is, even even in the first place. Right. Or like why Axel cares about Roxas. Yeah. Um, and so there's going to be a bunch of stuff you recognize, but like not fully understand why it's happening. Uh, and so just, just the way that, like you get the sort of same like mind weirdness going on that Rox is going through just like in a different perspective is pretty cool. Yeah. And I, uh, I just, again, I I love the way that this section uses all the weird kingdom heartsy shit to sit. Like it all just ends up being a metaphor for a kid with depression. Really? Yeah. That's all Roxas is in this part. Yeah. Yeah. Especially since like, no one even really tries to understand what he's going through. They're they all just like are like, well, they all just expect him to get over it. <laughs> yeah, like he is having these bizarre episodes where like time stops or things that seem impossible to him keep happening, and he has this just constant gnawing sense that either there is something fundamentally wrong with the world or fundamentally wrong with him, and he doesn't understand. And it's just it's really good. Yeah, and he, and he feels like he can't really talk to anyone about it because they won't take him seriously. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which, man, that is a mood. <laughs> right. And then meanwhile, you're getting these cutaways to Diz 
the absolute shitlord. motherfucker. Who is just delighting in the torture and murder of a child that he's doing. Yeah, Diz... Oh, boy. Uh, they try to rehabilitate Diz in the later games, like in Dream Drop Distance particularly, but... I mean, they try to at the end of this one, even. Yeah, but who boy, he... He super does not give a shit about Roxas. Like, he just no. sees him as a, a just purely a glitch in the system who should not exist. Right, yeah. Diz he is the darkness in Zero that is Ansem. God. <sighs> that is such a Kojima thing to do. It really is. Because <laughs> he's the original Ansem, who Ansem's Seeker of Darkness deposed and stole the name of. Because really, that's Xehanort. Yeah, I I love that in order to like justify other characters in this game, Kingdom Hearts 2 says, Oh no, the, the Ansem you killed in Kingdom Hearts 1 was not actually Ansem. It was a dude pretending to be Ansem who became heartless. Which, even now, <laughs> I don't really know why he was pretending to be Ansem. I don't know why either. Because <laughs> also, it's not like he did a good job at it. Anyone who looked at it would be like, well, that's not what Ansem looks like. That's what Xehanort looks like. Yeah, because, like, the only people he would be trying to fool would be the organization members that were working, that were already working for Ansem in the lab. Yeah, but you see in Dream Drop how that whole thing went down, where, like, Xehanort becomes heartless and Bragg is there. He's like, oh, wow. Did you even ever lose your memory, Xehanort? And he goes, I'm not Xehanort, I'm Ansem, and then turns Brig into Zigbar, and then, like, everyone else is passed out on the floor. Yeah, so, I mean, he didn't even really need to fool them, like, he can just, he just essentially brainwashes them, so I don't even, yeah, I don't know why he changed his name to Ansem. It's a, it's a retcon that almost works, but not quite. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't quite make sense. Uh, but and then yeah, meanwhile, it's... because Riku embraced the darkness inside him, he looks like Xehanort's heartless now? Yeah, and also, that's, that's the only time that ever happens to someone, too. Yeah, uh-huh. Because it's not like Terra suddenly looks like someone different. Like, Terra doesn't look more like old man Xehanort when he gets norted. No, his heart, his hair just turns white. And embraces the darkness. Yeah. Like, yeah, his hair just turns white and his eyes go yellow. Well, and there's dialogue in three, or I think it might be one of those, like, Instagram shots, uh, where Riku... fucking love that it has Instagram. Oh, it's very good. Where Riku's talking about, he wonders if Ansem's Seeker of Darkness looks that way because he possessed him at first. As it is, wait, is he supposed to look like adult Riku? Because he doesn't. He looks like Terra with longer hair. Yeah, I don't... I don't know why Riku looks like fake Ansem for part of the game. Yeah, because it has no consequence on the story, and you get, like, about an hour after you find out that the guy that looks like Ansem is actually Riku, he turns back into Riku. Yeah, it literally doesn't matter. <laughs> Like, you, you could have him just look like Riku for those sections, and outside of, like, Kairi going like, Whoa, dude, what happened to you? Like, everything else would be the same. Yeah. I, I saw someone suggest maybe it was just to make the trailers more confusing, and honestly, that I don't have a better is, explanation. 
Yeah, I'm that that honestly makes the most sense to me. Yeah. Um, I, though I'm not sure if he was even in. The, he might have been in the trailers. I have no clue. I'm not gonna go back and look at the trailers for Kingdom Hearts <laughs> two. That's too much because those Kingdom Hearts trailers are like six minutes long. Oh jeez. Um. But yeah, like uh, I I just really love all the stuff they add to the system in Kingdom Hearts two. Just to talk a little bit more about the gameplay. Yeah, yeah. go for it. I love that the combat feels more fluid. Yep. I love the reaction commands. I love the drive forms. Yeah. The drive forms are so... I'm still kind of... I'm still a little bit ticked off that they never come back. Well, okay, here is my problem with the drive forms. Playing as the goofy drive, the, the Valor form, feels fantastic. And then the meter runs out and I have to go back to playing Kingdom Hearts 2 and it's not as good. Like, it yeah, just I mean, feels like a fun, fluid action game when you're dual-wielding the Keyblades, and you only get to do it sometimes. Yeah, but also, to me, it feels almost like a limit break. Sure, yeah, that's and what that's, they're going for. And that's and that's kind of why I like it, and, yeah. like, they sort of get there in Kingdom Hearts 3, like, there are, like, if you if you craft the ultimate weapon, yeah. um, you, and, uh, like, do the form change for ultimate weapon, it does kind of feel like Final Form in Kingdom Hearts 2, and that is the, and Final Form is the dopest shit. Yeah, no, it, it's neat. I mean, honestly, the, the styles from Birth by Sleep are a pretty similar idea. Yeah, yeah, uh, and, and styles are, and, like, drive, and the, and the sort of, form changes in Kingdom Hearts 3 are just like a direct translation of those styles. Yeah. yeah. But I don't know. Uh, there was just something, there's something really dramatic about, and honestly, like I would make the argument that I felt the same way about the style changes in birth by sleep where, um, outs where like outside the command deck, the normal combat felt, felt actually more clunky than kingdom hearts 2 mm-hmm. and so when i got to go and when i was able to activate say um gosh what is it what's the one where you just like get a big ass energy blade uh oh i don't remember that one i remember ghost drive blade wing uh there's a lot of good ones oh i think it's uh i think it might be is it is it blade yeah it's blade charge yeah, yeah, yeah. The one where you essentially get like uh it it almost looks like the super move that Squall uses against you. Yeah. Um I I love whenever I got blade charge because it's like, oh shit, I've got reach. This, you know, I you know, it feels so good. I've got an awesome finisher and then I'd lose blade charge and I'd be like, all right, I guess I got to work up to it again. Yeah, I um, guess I I agree. I guess the difference to me though is that the that drive meter, maybe I just played the game bad. It felt like it filled really slow in two. Whereas, like, at you're the constantly s- building up the styles in Birth by Sleep. Yeah, at the start, it definitely takes a while to build up the form gauge. But, like, as you get more and more um, abilities that can allow you to fill it, like, yeah. you actually do get into a, a pretty good rhythm of, like, um, shooting your magic off, getting some combos in, MP gauge empties, going, uh, like... You take some more hits, go into go into form drive form to heal yourself and recharge your MP. You know, just wail on a dude until drive form runs out, then blast yeah. through your MP again, 
And so I'd say, like, around the latter half of the game, uh, I was using drive forms a lot more often. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I know. I I just like how much of a dramatic change drive form is. And it, and it really feels like Sora is getting a big boost that, like, he wouldn't have been able to do otherwise. Just because like both valor like valor form and especially final form are so different right and they feel so different yeah yeah uh and also like it changes your costume as well and i always love when games change your costume for special yeah no that's always good Uh, especially since like if you finish a boss battle in a drive form you'll just keep that look for the cutscene. yeah that is good um there's also like the anti-form in in this game and I, I kind of thought the plot twist it was working up to, if not in this game, then a future one would be that like, well, no, Sora is a heartless. Kyrie just helped him keep his human shape like Ansem does. And Roxas has his body, so he's just a heartless running around. And like, that was going to be a big thing. And then that never happened. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why Antiform exists. I don't know <laughs> what the plot justification for is for that, honestly. Yeah. Um, Like the... The Kingdom Hearts wiki's best guess is that it represents the darkness that still dwells within Sora's heart, but... I'm sure. I mean... But, like, Riku never turns anti-form. Yeah, no. I I don't know why it's only Sora that does that. And it comes back in Kingdom Hearts 3 as rage form. Yeah. So, like, it's clearly a thing. Right. And not just, like, a random-ass mode that Kingdom Hearts 2 just decided to do. Yeah, and I started, everyone's like, wow, how can Sora's nobody and exist simultaneously with him? And I I thought the reveal would be, oh, it's because Sora's a heartless. And that's yeah, why he I looks like that sometimes. I, I don't know, man. I don't know why anti-form exists, and I, I, they will never explain it. <laughs> yeah. Something weird about Kingdom Hearts 2 is that it doesn't really have a plot. Like, the Roxas stuff happens, Sora wakes up as Roxas, like, dies, and then Sora's just like, well, guess I'm just gonna go visit random worlds and hope that something happens that's, you know, plot-relevant. Yeah, it, it it's definitely different in than Kingdom Hearts 1 was, where really the only goal that Sora starts with is, like, there are worlds that he needs to lock the doors to. Um, well, that, that's in 1. Well, he well. There's also keyholes he used to go to. He used to lock in Kingdom Hearts two. Well, no, in two it's that he has to go to the worlds, and when he like builds bonds of friendship, it opens up a keyhole that he can use as a pathway to new worlds. Okay, um, I'm I'm trying to remember the, I'm trying to remember like the the reason he goes to those worlds in the first place though, because I like, think it's just that he's looking for Riku and Mickey and trying to find oh. like. Right, yeah, yes. He's trying to he's trying to figure out where Riku and Mickey went to. So yeah. he's he's looking through all the Disney worlds for them. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Um Which this honestly, this is where Mickey starts to suck because Mickey shows up early on in two and he could just tell Sora what's going on. Yeah, but instead he acts all cryptic and then just leaves after he's done killing some nobodies for yeah. to help save Sora. He just pieces out of there. For no real for no real reason. It's not like no. he's being chased by anybody he could have hung out with them even if he was being chased he's got better but, odds if he's with the whole party yeah like i he tries to claim that he's being chased uh 
like targeted by the organization, but like he's still wearing the cloak. Right. So theoretically he's hidden from him from from them. And the organization is goes after Sora anyway without Riku or without Mickey around, so Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean I mean they just straight up show up in Hollow Bastion. Yeah. I it's weird. It is cool uh, when you have that big huge war in Hollow Bastion though. Oh yeah. No, that is that is still great, the Hunter Heartless battle. Yeah. Um it, where Goofy still, dies. Yeah, where Goofy dies. Oh man, that is still one of the funniest cutscenes. It's just so it is a type of violence that is like too realistic for Kingdom Hearts. Because the rock just bounces off his head in a way that, like, a real rock would. Yeah, it just gives Goofy a severe concussion. Yeah. Like, Goofy's gonna Goofy's gonna come down with CTE when he, you know, in 20 yeah. years or something. Which I feel like uh, the Zeta Flare is, like, the spiritual successor to that moment. Oh, yeah, where <laughs> Donald Duck magics, magics himself into death. Where Donald Duck fires off a Kamehameha that could destroy the Earth, but instead it just kills him. Uh, it's, uh, Donald Duck, canonically more powerful than Bahamut. Yeah, has anyone done a Zeta spell in Final Fantasy? I don't think they have, right? No. <laughs> no. It's incredible. Yeah, I, I think I, I'm going to find try and find it you know as we're talking but because you know someone... that in like the next kingdom hearts game they need zeta flare to be like a secret thing you can unlock right yeah i mean i'm, I'm trying to find because there was a really good post on it where they talk about like the different flares that we've seen and like the highest it is gone is terra flare and yeah. so to give some background info on a completely unrelated game, Final Fantasy XIV, uh, the thing, the thing that Bahamut, a dragon that appears out of a moon in the sky that he was being imprisoned in, yeah, um, to basically raise the world of Final Fantasy XIV so hard that it deletes 1.0 and replaces it with 2.0 is Terra Flare. <laughs> Okay, I just looked it up. Terra is 10 to the 12th power. Zeta is 10 to the 21st power. Yeah, so Zeta Flare is an order, is 11 orders of magnitude more powerful than the thing that Bahamut uses to straight up delete a game and replace it with a different one. I mean, Kingdom, like, Zeta Flare only, it seems like it just barely even kills one bad guy. Well, I mean, to be fair, it annihilates, like, it annihilates uh, Zenmus in one shot. Right. But it, it, he's, like, it doesn't, like, he's, like, in the beam guarding against it, and he, like, slowly fades away. It doesn't, like, evaporate him, you know what I mean? Well, I mean, I just assume that it does evaporate him, like, it's just that... Typically, they don't do the Dragon Ball Z thing, where sure. you see them slowly distort, and they get hell, and they get super murdered. Yeah, that's fair, I guess. I mean, and, it's, you know, it, yeah, it's doing it's doing the kid friendly equivalent of, uh, of of Cell being destroyed by the family Kamehameha. 
Right, right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so here's my big question about Kingdom Hearts 2. What is... Yeah. What? Okay, this is gonna sound like a jackass kind of question, but, like, what's it mean? What do you mean, what's, what is Kingdom what's Hearts Kingdom 2 What's Kingdom Hearts mean? 2 about, like, thematically? Uh, so, I mean, hmm... Because the big it's, problem I had with it is that it is, this, like, nobodies are a central concept to that story. And sometimes they're treated, like, when you have, like, Roxas or Namine or even Axel, they are people that are clearly people and clearly have their own thoughts and feelings, but are, like, denied recognition as people, right? Yeah. As it, well, obviously this is a story about, like, discrimination against that. And you have, like, Ansem be like, oh, I was a fool who you know, thought that, you know, I could decide what counts as a person, what doesn't, and then he dies. But then on the flip of that, you have, like, Xemnas and the the loyal organization members who are these, like, unfeeling monsters that are trying to, like, break down the whole world and rebuild it the way they want it. Not, doesn't seem like out of a sense of, like, injustice, but because they're bad people who have, like, voluntarily... Sh- like shuttered off their feelings so it's like on one hand it's like oh well like closing off your feelings is bad but on the other hand it's well treating people who are different than you is bad and it's like there's two the nobodies feel like they're two different metaphors that don't really gel with each other you know what i mean so i think i think the thing there is that um a lot of the organization members who who are there like for example larxene or uh or Axel, um, or Sykes, are there because they were promised something that is a lie. Right. They were promised that they would get their hearts back and they become true people again. Right. Um, and they feel that because of what happened to them and because of how the world treats them and would much rather annihilate them, they are justified in what they do to become real people again. Right. And then you have, like, the true villains, like Ansem, who, even before Ansem became Zenmus, like, he was already a dick. Yeah, for sure. So, like, the thing with the nobodies is that, really, the personalities they had before they became nobodies, those do, for the most part, transfer over. Right, yeah, yeah. So, if, if you were a fascist dickhead... Like, as a person, you're still gonna be a fascist dickhead as a nobody. Yeah, but you do have some that, like, flip, like, the one I think of, and I was kind of surprised to find out how little of a character he was going forward, because I feel like Zaldin is in two a lot, and then he just doesn't matter after that. Um, oh, let me... Yeah, I, I he's don't He's the guy in, like, the know. Beauty and the Beast world. But he's yeah, not, like, the spear he's... guy. One yeah, of the he's... hardest fights in the game. Oh, yeah, that fight sucked. Um, But, like... He's just a normal guy, presumably, like, a decent person when he's, you know, in the before times. But Zaldin is, like, trying to... He's on, like, some MRA shit where he's trying to convince the Beast that, like, oh, no one could love you. You need to just uh, quit quit trying to win over the love of this woman and just hate everything so that you become a heartless. In a way that's like, what? Hmm. It, this feels like it's saying something, but then, I don't know, it just... Something about uh, two doesn't quite like come together for me. 
Yeah, I think I think especially with some of the other organization members, um, uh, specifically like Zaldin, um, you you like there. I think it's implied that there is something that happened to them in the organization that like sort of convinced them to act this way. Whether part of it was just brainwashing from right. uh, Xehanort or like from. You know, pot, most likely a combination both of brainwashing and also uh, Zenmus slash Xehanort, uh, you know, just being a charismatic fascist. Right. Um, like, sort of convince them that, like, you know, this is okay to do, this is what is necessary, like... Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think with, with some of those organization members there definitely could have been more effort put into saying like, okay, here's why the organization twisted them into how they're acting. Because I think, I think what, I think what, uh, sort of the story of the organization and, and Kingdom Hearts two is meant to imply is that these people aren't naturally like this as nobodies. They were right. Yeah. They were twisted to doing, these things by right. Zenmus, who is a villain, not because he's a nobody, but because he is the nobody of Xehanort, who is a monster. Right. Yeah, and like, and obviously, you know, Zenmus is just Xehanort, like you're saying, but I, there's also an element of like, a lot of these nobodies, you know, like you said, are saying, like, they feel a sense of loss over, like, their lack of a heart. Whereas Zemnis like, embraces that, because now that he doesn't have feelings, he is empowered to be more evil, you know? Yeah, and I, I almost wonder if Zemnis just uses that as justification. Oh, I, I think that's true to an extent. Because, I mean, like, cause yeah. like we, we definitely find out in both Birth by Sleep and Kingdom Hearts 3 that Xehanort also uses flimsy, flimsy justifications to explain why it's totally cool that he's doing the, doing all the things he does. Absolutely, but we also learn in Kingdom Hearts 3 that Xemnas really does have no feelings, and, like, he feels for the first time when Sora kills him. Yeah, I... Hmm. I, it's, it's definitely weird, because I think, like, you could make arguments that, like, because Xehanort is who he is and like zen because because i think like one of uh again like one of the things that woody says to zenmus uh in king of hearts 3 uh is you must not have had any friends right yeah i think so like loves you yeah so it's possible that xehanort you know though i guess xehanort does have someone who loved him he did have ericus yeah, but um, I can I can easily see that being a situation where Xehanort, like did not respect that relationship or or return those. Yeah, feelings, maybe he didn't you know? take it seriously. He thought he was just like a rival. Yeah, um, but like Xehanort and then Zemus, assuming that like maybe this they just didn't realize what feelings were. Right, and so well, like Zemus, yeah, you know, like the, does the... have feelings, but like he he only he's only able to recognize it when like Sora you know yeah. annihilates him and suddenly he is like filled with regret right well cuz even in 2 he's filled with, and like, then he's able to recognize that oh shit i i did actually yeah even in 2 he talks about like 
he has this whole speech about how he has no feelings, no heart. And then within like a sentence later, he starts talking about all the hate and rage that he has. Like he can't even maintain the facade that he has no feelings. Yeah, I, I think that I think that Zenmus and by association, association Xehanort think that feelings are just like touchy feely things. Right. They have. think that facts don't feel about your feelings. You beta cuck. Yeah, exactly. Like they think that like hate is not actually a feeling. It's just a mm. rational response to, you know, how they view the world. Right. And so the only feelings are whatever, you know, that loser Sora you know, is talking about friendship and all that jazz. Right, right. Um, so I, I think they are either just like lying to themselves or they just they just don't realize sort of how wrong they are about that until Sora defeats them. Yeah. Of course, yeah. like, again, none of that is really elaborated upon in the games, so it's mostly just like reading into things, but... It's the only way I can sort of, like, gel everything together in Kingdom Hearts 2. Yeah, I think the best way I can do it is just to say that, like, the nobodies do have this, like, inherent difference from other people. They do... Because Dream Drop can, like, confirms they do lack hearts, at least at first. And then, as yeah. they have more life experiences, they kind of develop a new heart. Um, And it's, like... That is a difference they have from other people that does not justify, say, what Diz does to Roxas. That's still monstrous. But then on the other side of that, you have people like Xemnas who would rather... It, who embrace that kind of harmful narrative because it empowers him to be harmful in other ways. Okay, um, so I just thought of a good analogy for what the nobodies are, and you're gonna okay. love it because it involves Metal Gear. Oh, heck yeah! So the the thing about Kingdom Hearts, the Kingdom Hearts franchise is that it heaven that it uh, very heavily implies that like the heart is essentially memories, pretty much, um, yeah. And like the reason why nobody's eventually develop hearts is because they create memories with other people, um, right? Yeah, and yeah. that is what develops their hearts. So the reason why nobody's are still inherently different but still people is because when they initially become nobodies they still have the base personality of the person they were you know created from they right. just don't have the memories that made that person into what they are which is also why they feel a like phantom pain <laughs> uh, <laughs> at and the core of their souls Right. Much like how Big Boss uh -huh. in, I'm sorry, a, pun, a Punish Snake in yeah. Metal Gear Solid Five, right? Also, uh, does not remember anything, and has to create those memories from scratch. And even though he starts out similar to the boss, becomes his own person. And what I'm okay. saying is, Venom, Sna Venom Snake is a, is the nobody. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he kind of is, honestly. But let me counter that argument because we're—I think we're about ready to move into three five eight here. Yeah. Axel says he remembers his old life. Roxas is unique for not remembering being Sora, and he just like doesn't have any feelings about his old memories while he's a nobody. Oh God. <laughs> God damn it, 358. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
I, oh, the, I totally the, forgot about that section. Like, we're just talking about how the nobodies work. My impression is that, like, the moment you become a nobody... Well, the thing is, he clearly doesn't remember everything, because, like, he mentions in Kingdom Hearts 3 that he and Issa don't remember the name of the person they became nobodies to try and, like, help in the first place. I don't know so if they ever... It, 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 so it seems implies of... that, like... I mean, maybe that's just due to them reconstituting and they lose memories that way. But it seems to be implied that, you know, they may remember, they might remember some things from their previous life, but they don't necessarily remember everything. Well, but no, no, they they never knew that person's name because she didn't know her name. She's just Subject X. Uh, well, uh, sorry, not 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 the name, but like the the person, because like I don't mm-hmm. they mention Kim R three that like they forgot who even the person was until like uh, so they I got don't, reconstituted. I don't remember specifically. I thought it was just like like they forgot in, in their the, motivation. In, in the secret reports, they talk about how all of a sudden they just she wasn't there one day, and they started to convince themselves that like they had just imagined her or something. You know? Yeah, because like because I think like Issa because Issa gets pissed off that. Uh, Lee got distracted by Roxas. So, I mean, maybe that means that Issa remembered, the, but then why didn't he do anything when they were in <laughs> Because Castle they hadn't Olivia. written about uh, that stuff back in 2009. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, I think the easy, easiest explanation is that, like, Alex... Sorry, not Alex. Axel slash Lee... <laughs> oh, man, what if his name was Alex? <laughs> <laughs> it could have been. It could have been. Um... I think the easiest explanation is that, like, he might remember some things, like, some core things, but mm. not everything. Yeah, that may be, it's like, the, the, it, yeah. It, it's the only thing I, it's the only reason I can square the two, because otherwise, like, what would the difference be? The The vibe I got was that, like, when you become a nobody, you're still you, and you still have all your memories, but, like, the emotion attached to those memories is what's been ripped away from you. That would so make more sense. Yeah. It's almost like in, in your head, you have like an encyclopedia of your life up to that point, but it's devoid of any uh, emotional attachment. And you have just sort of dissociated from the person that you are. Yeah. Because of what happened to you, you got separated from your like, quote unquote, true self. You right. like, you inherently don't see yourself as the person that created those memories. Right. That that's kind of how I understood it. I can see that. And then you if you put the work in, you can gain a new heart and like the new memories that you build, because you're building them, you have that emotional attachment to them. Okay, yeah. I th- I, I think we I think we sort of hammered out a, a solid theory here of, of yeah. like what makes the nobodies nobodies. <laughs> Which is good, because now we gotta talk about Shion. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Xion is a character I really like, but also I kind of hate what she does with the lore, because there's a lot of stuff about her that makes no goddamn sense. Oh, no, I I think I got this one, actually. Okay, so Vexen, in Chain of Memories, was making replica bodies uh, because they wanted to make their own Keyblade wielder, right? Yeah. Because they need a Keyblade wielder to do, to make Kingdom Hearts, which... I'm still not clear what the organization was even doing before they got Roxas because he's so pivotal to their plans. Yeah, I think I think maybe they were just trying to gain I think they were just still trying to create Kingdom Hearts just through a different Oh, like No, you method. know what? They were trying to find a Keyblade wielder. That's why they got Marluxia and Larxene. And it's just they can't use Keyblades anymore oh, for some shit, reason. Shit, you're right. Yeah, cuz they were cuz they were dandelions. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And just for some reason, they've lost the Keyblade power. That's yeah. Why did they lose the ability? They haven't explained to use it yet. Keyblades. Yeah, because in yeah, three, Zemnus has a line about cross is yeah. not done yet. Right, and Zemnus has a line in three about like you need to reawaken your Keyblade powers, and that just doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, but okay. So Vexen God. was trying to make a replica that they could put Sora's heart, or like you know, like like Repliku, but for Sora. So yeah. then they would have a puppet they could control. That had a keyblade, so it could collect hearts to make kingdom hearts. Yeah, because because be, yeah, because Roxas was more directly connected to Sora. They weren't confident in their ability to control him. Well, I think when they started that project, they didn't know about Roxas. So I think the idea was we're going to use Nominate to siphon memories from Sora into this puppet to make. Did Roxas come later? It was around the same time, but like Zemnis finds Roxas and then like kind of keeps him to himself for a week, and I think those plans were kind of. Already okay. underway, and Zemnus was just like, "Well, now we have a backup if Roxas doesn't, you know." Okay. Like, All right, you know what? Roxas works better, but let's keep the the number one replica around just in case because it yeah, might come well, in handy. The, the, it, no, it's not number one; it's number I. Well, it's, yeah, it's, it's right? number the like, imaginary numeral. number. That's why it's Xion because it's oh, is N-O-I? it supposed to be the imaginary unit? Yes. I just thought it was a lowercase Roman numeral. No, imaginary number. <laughs> oh my god. It's a good series, actually. It is. So, they were using Namine to siphon memories from Sora into uh, Number I, but... Th- and that's why Roxas doesn't have any Sora- of Sora's memories, I guess. Or also because, like, Kyrie brought Sora back, so Roxas it- is, like, not a full nobody. Yeah, because, uh, because, um... Roxas still has some of Sora's memories... Which is right. why he eventually needs to reconstitute into Sora because he's leeching them. Right. So like, what it um, ends but, up but like, it, but like Sora's yeah. memories are essentially split between Shion and Roxas. Right. What it ends up kind of like settling into after the whole process is done is that yeah, they have all the memories and it kind of like the memories sort of transfer from one to the other just kind of randomly. It's like it just it's a liquid that's sloshing back and forth between them. Yeah, and which would and is also like why sometimes like one of them will not be able to use the keyblade anymore because one of them is getting more of the memories than the other right yeah yeah and then eventually of... yeah so i didn't play 358 did you i assume I, you did i played some of it i was not able to finish it because that game is is really grindy and it gets real fucking hard near the end it also seems like that just is not a good place to play a Kingdom Hearts game. Yeah, no, not really. Uh, it's it's not great. Um, I uh, I actually downloaded a ROM of it just to see if it'll it would play better if I could use like an actual controller, just keybind my Xbox One to a DS emulator. Oh, sure. Just to see if that would give me a, a better experience because I don't. I'm not sure. I don't think it was tu- very touchscreen dependent. I gotcha. Yeah, but yeah, um, no, it was it was it, it it starts out pretty neat, but it, it it is rough to play, which is unfortunate. Honestly, like, I honestly really wish that they had made a full remake of three fifty eight. Um, yeah, I, partly I would like because it's I honestly think it's the one that more desperately needs it. As opposed uh, to Chain of Memories, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Like, if they had just stuck Chain of Memories in there as just the GBA game emulated, that'd be totally fine. Right. Um Whereas, like, I, I really think it 
358 could have benefited from a full console re-release. Yeah. Also because you... okay. also because a lot of the keyblades in that game are great. Yeah. Like so many of Roxas' keyblades look rad. Um, I'll, I'll pull up a list of them on Cage Insider. Um, when well, you but... can like play as other organization members too, right? Uh, yeah, you can. You can. That's you can really cool. Play as uh, yeah, because I uh, played as Larxene, which yeah. was my dream come true. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it's it, it was really great because you you could just play as some of the other organization members, and it was man. Maybe one day, but yeah, I man, I so wish. Yeah. How do you feel about the story of 358? Oh. Um, that's a trickier one that question. Is like, it, it's one that people like a lot. I, I do... I like the concept of it more than I like the execution. Okay, okay. Because I think it's a really cool idea. Yeah. Um, but also it's just it's so long and it repeats so many things. Like how how many times do I really need to see uh Axel, Shion, and Roxas eat ice cream on that tower and talk about how yeah. sad they are? Yeah, that was like the, how like, many I, times does that same conversation really need to happen? I get the idea that it's like that tower is their cheers bar, right? And yeah. it's like, oh, this is the, the friendly place they go. Also, I but just there's... posted a list of the images of the Keyblades in 358 so you can see how okay, dope yeah. they are. But like, there are other things friends can do. They could try a different flavor of ice cream maybe once. Yeah, what... Really, the big lost opportunity of 358 over 2 is showing them be friends outside of... a outside of just like sharing trauma yeah. like we don't really get any scenes of them having fun together like they don't go off and like this is something that kingdom hearts 2 prologue did really well like where you where roxas and pence and hainer and alette are off like in twilight town investigating the mysteries right and that's pretty funny like that that's that's some good like I get a good sense of what they do together as friends. Whereas, like, there's there's no scenes like that in 358 over two days. I mean, maybe just because of, like, the limitations of this mission system they had to work with. But even still, I feel like you could have come up with something to just show, like, here's what Axel and Roxas and Shion do, like, when they've got free time. Yeah. Besides going up to the clock tower. Right, and part of me too, like, they were pretty written into having to do Twilight Town for it, because, yeah. like, between Chain of Memories and 2, you have to. There's a part of me that kind of wanted to see them hanging out in the world that never was, and get a sense of, like, what that place is like when you're not just having fights in it, you know? Yeah, because, I mean, they, they go there, like, to get that, their base is located there, and there's some, right. like, pretty cool scenery there, like, have them eat ice cream on top of the battle skyscraper instead. At yeah, some, exactly. Maybe, like... Have them, like, go to a shopkeeper and just at dusk is there's like, what do you seek, my liege? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, there's so, there were so many opportunities for them to just let 
those characters just interact with each other and just have quote unquote like meaningless stuff happen between them. Yeah. And, and meaningless in the sense of like the driver's license episode in Dragon Ball Z where like that episode doesn't matter, but right. it's fun because it gives us an idea of like Goku and Piccolo's friendship that we don't often get in the yeah. series as a whole. Um, and that's, I think, what we desperately needed from 358 over two days. That is the key missing piece. Yeah, the thing that really that frustrated game. me with 358 is that I came away from Kingdom Hearts 2 feeling like I understood Roxas pretty well. They did not show a ton of his life. They showed a handful of, like, key scenes, and then you had the, the prologue that was a weird, like, facsimile of his life. But I feel like that was enough to paint a really complete picture. Yeah. And if they're going to take a whole game that's just time with Roxas, you got to give me more than the picture you've already painted. Yeah. Like, show on- me something else. And honestly, I don't really feel like they added enough to Roxas to justify him being the viewpoint character. Right. Yeah, I agree. Like, I, I like didn't really learn all that much more about Roxas that I didn't get from Kingdom Hearts 2. Yeah, it, it's doing the it's telling the same story Kingdom Hearts two did in a slower, more boring way. Yeah, personally, like if I could have chosen a viewpoint character, I would have done Axel. That would have been interesting because, yeah, like, yeah. he's the one who's got a lot of stuff going on. Like he he's <laughs> you know the why one... you can't do Axel though, <laughs> because he goes to Castle Oblivion, and the law of Castle Oblivion is that everything is cards, and they would have had to do card combat for a oh. boss fight against Sora. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I love that line in Chain of Memories where Marluxia just like, the law of this castle is that all everything is cards. <laughs> Do you think Marluxia had to practice that line to not crack up? No, I think Marluxia loves Yu-Gi-Oh! And that's why the, the Castle Oblivion's like that. I don't think that's, that's true. intrinsic to the castle. Yeah, Marluxia is an edgelord. He would let, love saying stuff like that. Yeah. He's a drama queen. Yeah. Um... And then, like, I like Xion as a character. Uh, I, I think she's good. But I don't love how 358 treats her. Yeah, I mean, there's... You, you sort of gotta paste over some things. Yeah, because the thing is, you know, she meets Namine and Riku, and they're like, hey, you're really part of Sora, so this whole, like, fun life you have with your friends that you love... None of that's as important. You should probably die so that our friend can be alive, please. And she's just like, wow. Well, okay then. And it just sucks. Yeah, I think... I think that sacrifice would have worked better if... Again, there was a little more time. And this would actually... This maybe, I don't know, would... uh, it would be a good argument for making she on the viewpoint character instead. So yeah, that way that you could worked. get more of her decision of like going because it's not a really clear-cut decision because on the one hand like yeah like if Xion doesn't sacrifice herself Sora may never wake up right but where that doesn't work for me is that Xion doesn't have any emotional connection to Sora yeah Um, it's just like the the argument for why but also like Riku by the same token Riku doesn't have any reason to care about Shion, he doesn't have any commo- right. emotional protection, like connection to her. Yeah, for sure. Um, and like from him, and from his perspective, like you know, it sucks. But his best friend 
like will never wake up if she doesn't sacrifice herself and Sora needs to save the world. Right. So... I, I get why Riku has the position he has, but by the end of it, Shion is like willingly going along with it. And she's has a lot of lines about how like it's time for her to like return to her rightful place and she doesn't deserve to exist. And it's like, this is gross, especially after Kingdom Hearts 2 was so much about how, no, the nobodies are real people and they deserve to be treated like that. And now Shion just like, eh, no, I'm not. Anyway, like, it's feel like it's sad that she has to do that, but it's necessary and it's yeah. like noble of her to be making that sacrifice. And I don't think it's noble. I think it just sucks. Maybe would it have been better if sort of the, the reconcil, if there was like a, there were some scenes or missions where there was sort of a reconciliation between Riku and Shion where like Riku basically like uh, took her on a mission for a bit and like sort of showed her like, hey, this is what is happening to the world. Here is what the organization wants. This is why I'm doing what I'm doing. And I'm sorry, but this is why I care about it. Um, and sort of based on that, Shion made the decision, would, even though it, like, would that make her eventual decision to sacrifice herself, like, make sense? I think it would, yeah, that would help a lot. If it was that she is making a choice to sacrifice herself to save the world instead of just coming to agree with the fact that she doesn't deserve to be alive. Yeah, I... I I do agree that they needed to justify that change of heart more. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and I I think that... uh, I initially said that Axel would be a good viewpoint character, but I'm kind of, like, thinking now, well, maybe the viewpoint character should have been Shion, so we could have had a scene like that. But also, even if the viewpoint character was Shion, I don't know if they would have, because that doesn't gel with their just boring-ass mission structure. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you would have to make like, a lot of changes to that game to make it really work. But, like, think yeah. about that scene at the end of 358 where it's, like, all three of them on the clock tower and they're, like, laughing and kind of shoving each other. And then Shion starts fading away and you can just see Axel and Rox's attention, like, slowly just pivot towards each other and away from her as she, like, fades away. Think about how much more sad that would be if Shion was the, like, player character for that game. Yeah, which is why I say... The core idea of 358 over 2 is really, really good. And it could have made for a fantastic game if they had pulled it off properly. But there's too many things that they screw up the execution on. Yeah, I agree. It, it, I like it in the abstract, but I don't think it's very good. Yeah. Um. I guess Birth by Sleep is next? Yeah, Birth by Sleep is next. We're going back to the past, baby. Yeah, so we we actually forgot to mention, but like the ending of Kingdom Hearts, I think it's the ending of Kingdom Hearts two. It's the the has, secret ending, yeah. yeah, yeah, the secret ending of it has the man. When this came out, this was this was almost like dream drop level for well, me. Well, so for, there's there's two of them because the first one, like, th- there's well, one that's way more elaborate. Diving. Yeah, yeah, there, there the one that's way more elaborate is super cool and I like it. But as like a punchline, I kind of like the original one better because it is just. Uh, the three heroes of Birth by Sleep in their armor, so you can't see their faces, and they like plant their keyblades in the ground, and then it just slowly zooms out, and you see the keyblade graveyard for the first time, 
and there's just thousands and thousands of keyblades that just cuts to black and it's, it's so good i know i i actually prefer that one too just for yeah. like the impact because not only do you have like people in 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 the keyblade armor and that is the keyblade armor looks so awesome it's very cool and it's very like uh, alien yeah it's like okay well these don't seem to be people we know um and you know in a location we don't know and just like tons of keyblades everywhere more than we've ever like even realized existed it's just this one shot that immediately like completely changes your understanding of kingdom hearts it's so good yeah i like the more elaborate one is just like a very high fidelity version of the ending of earth by sleep yeah, and I think I think that that more elaborate one is when it, they actually reveal the face of Ventus. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he he's I'm I think I can't remember if they re- reveal everybody's faces. Uh, but, yeah, they do because it's okay. it's literally just the end cutscene from Birth by Sleep, but with higher graphics. Okay, I couldn't remember how much they actually revealed there, but yeah, yeah it's like, like the whole fight where like Ventus gets frozen and Terra yeah. like it it ends with Terra starting to get norted. Yeah, and there, there is, even though I don't think it makes as better of a just teaser trailer, just because the first one is so short and sweet and, like, yeah. perfectly edited, uh, I do love, lo- I did love all the reactions where Ventus's face was revealed and everyone was like, why the fuck is Roxas there? <laughs> yeah, and I love how that, a version of that question still persists to this day. Yeah, except this time it's, why the hell is Ventus there? <laughs> yeah. Oh, jeez. <sighs> yeah. Uh, I do love in the, like, in-game version of that cutscene when, like, Ventus gets frozen and thrown off a cliff for 500 feet and, like, <laughs> yeah, Aqua and... catches him and, like, is holding him while he is frozen solid and his eyes are darting about in pure terror. She goes, are, you, are okay? you okay? <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, it's no, no, Aqua. I'm super not. <laughs> I am less okay than I've just about ever been. Uh, Birth by Sleep is really interesting. Yeah. Um, Brings in the command deck, which is better combat system. The command deck is is pretty fun. Um, but also, man, there's a lot of commands that are just garbage. Yeah, sure. And also, I found the game to be very grindy in a way I did not care for. Yeah. My issues with the command deck compared to the other combat systems is that there's a lot of just... Uh, command deck options that are traps that either mm-hmm. you know are garbage and hardly ever do anything like almost all the status effect ones sure but that's any RPG Why? Like, th- listen the rule of RPGs is take all the status effect moves yeah. and throw them in the garbage uh, but there's so many of them yeah, there um, are. or there's ones that actually do a lot of damage but they're like um Activation windows are so terrible, or their hitboxes are so terrible, or their homing is so terrible, that you're almost never going to hit with them in any fight that actually matters. Yeah, I, I, I can see that. Um, to me, like, those are tweaks that, like, you could improve on. I think, you know, I think by, like, Dream Drop, they've refined that system a lot and made it really good. Yeah, I, but, I will um, agree that Dream yeah. Drop is sort of is a much better iteration of the command deck. Right, and just overall, I just like how much the command deck lets you customize your, like, playstyle in a way that the old combat just doesn't. Yeah, I just... My my 
my complaint about the command deck is mostly that it's just way too easy to enter in a boss in, enter into a boss battle with commands that are really good for the world in general but then do just absolutely nothing against the boss or just completely useless because that happened to me multiple times when i first played through that game where i had a deck that was like really good for just getting through the world and for like grinding against enemies and i got into a boss battle and like they were almost completely useless like yeah i never really ran into that problem so maybe i just got lucky with which ones i picked but yeah yeah um so my second playthrough, like, I sort of knew which ones to craft and which ones to just, like, ignore or, or craft just so I could get to another one. Yeah. Um, so I didn't really have that problem. Like, I, when I played through my second time, for example, I knew that the uh, the ones that laid down mines were very good for basically uh-huh. every battle. <laughs> um, And especially, like, the ones that would... Uh, put you into a um, animation lock and like sort of yeah. uh, teleport to um, the uh, enemy. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, there's the command deck is a mis- was a mixed bag for me. Um, and, and like I said, as as much as I like enjoyed the the form changes and you know putting yeah. drive forms into that game wouldn't necessarily make a whole lot of sense. Um, I, I still like drive forms better. <laughs> Yeah, um, but like I said, the, the command deck really works for me. My big issue with Birth by Sleep is that I would beat a boss, and it was like a well-balanced fight. I was clearly right on the leveling curve, and then I would get to the next world, and the first enemy I ran into was harder than the boss I just fought. What's weird about that is I never once experienced that problem. Man, I don't know how you avoided it. Yeah, I, I don't know either, because... I always had, like, I would have problems with bosses sometimes, but I can't remember an instance where I ever had problems with, like, just the normal-ass enemies. Yeah, I mean, I posted a video when I was going through it. Like, I got to the Peter Pan world, and there was, like, a gorilla yeah, I, at the beginning, and just, I was dumping every shot lock and spell I had I, into it. I watched that, and I remember, like, oh, those are enemies that I, when I first got to that world, I was killing in, like, maybe... 10, 15 seconds at most. Yeah, I got there eventually because I just sat there and grinded on that gorilla. I grinded on that gorilla. Oh, um, boy, I but bet you it did. was it was rough. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe I always tend to over level slightly in Kingdom Hearts games. Maybe it was just that, but Yeah, like and I'm I got through every one of these games a little under leveled, so. Uh but yeah, I, I don't know. i it, it's weird. Uh, that yeah. I that our experiences with the combat system were so very different. Yeah. Um, um, which maybe is an indication that it could have been tweaked a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, like it had room for improvement. And, and again, in their defense, I think they did eventually improve it. I would have been so mad if I'd been a Kingdom Hearts fan in 2010 when this came out. And had to get a PSP? Yeah. Yup. After uh-huh. seeing that teaser on, on Kingdom Hearts 2... So I looked it up because I was curious on why they did that. Uh, apparently they were originally going to make Birth by Sleep a PS2 game. And then they had to put it on hold to make Rechain of Memories for the PS2. And then by the time that came out, it was like, well, this is going to need like another year or two of development. And by that point, putting out a PS2 game makes no sense at all. So we can either take all these PS2 level assets that we've already generated and make this a PSP game, 
or throw everything out and make it a PS3 game. All right, that that actually makes a lot of sense to me. It does, but it still sucks. Yeah, no, it it, it does. I actually did buy a PSP. Oh, um, yeah. Partially yeah. for it and also partially for the uh, first Dissidia game. Okay, yeah. And also, oh. like, uh, and also Crisis Core was on the PSP. And that's sure. actually a pretty fun game, too. Yeah. I was going to say I probably would have done the same thing, but I did not buy a PSP for Peace Walker, so no, I wouldn't have. <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, Peace Walker isn't as good, so. Yeah, you're right about that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, Birth by Sleep, uh, the, the one thing that really sucks about Birth by Sleep are the Disney worlds. Uh, I don't know, I think they're, like, in the middle as far as Disney worlds and Kingdom Hearts games go. I, I think like, what makes fine. it, I think what, what really made it those Disney worlds particularly hard for me to go through in birth by sleep is the fact that you went through them three times. Yeah. That does get a little rough. Um, and like, so it kind of sucked all the joy out of like, you know, teaming up with stitch from Lilo and stitch. Right. Yeah, that's fair. Oh, that electric stitch boss is such bullshit. Dustin. <laughs> Why is that boss so hard? Let me tell you, the the boss I had the most trouble with when I played um this game on the PSP, and maybe this is maybe just because I just wasn't super familiar with the game at the time cuz uh sure. when I played it again, I didn't have nearly as much trouble. Uh-huh. Uh but the like the boss the like the very first boss you fight um in Cinderella's I think it's Cinderella's world the uh-huh. the heartless that's like a oh, what is that thing um I'm trying to remember who what character are you thinking of it's like a it's I think it's Terra's fight he fights okay. like a giant possessed loom not a oh, loom oh yeah 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 that's the sleeping beauty world yeah oh sleeping blue right sleeping beauty not Cinderella yeah yeah um, but yeah, it's like a possessed, um, I'm not sure what you call that. It's like the... Yeah, it's, the, it's like a loom, because it's the thing that Sleeping Beauty pricks her finger on to get cursed. Yeah, yeah. That thing was shockingly hard. I must have died, huh. like, five or six times to it. Um, yeah. because, like, that's a point in the game where you don't really have healing magic. Oh, sure. You see, I think the way I cheesed that was by, like using the Link thing to switch to Aqua, who does have healing magic. Yeah, so I, I think it's mostly just because I just didn't yeah, know yeah. what the Link system did at the time. So that I was like, I don't, I don't know what to use here. So I just didn't have a cure spell or hardly any potions. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and it does so much damage to you, and it has a lot of attacks that are hard to avoid, especially since Terra is so, like, melee-focused early right. on. That, yeah, that, that boss just kicked my ass for a while. <laughs> Yeah, I got stuck on the the electric stitch fight with Terra for a long time. Uh, I, I didn't really have on... a problem with that fight, weirdly enough. Huh? Yeah, I got stuck on the like Terranort fight where you're the lingering will. That took oh yeah, that one's hard. Yeah. Uh, the like, I think Aqua fights Vanitas like three times, and the second one of those was really hard for me. Honestly, all of Aqua's fights are pretty brutal at the end. Yeah, yeah. I didn't think her Zigbar fight was too bad. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know, but yeah, like, almost all the fights at the very end just 
are really hard. Yeah, and, like, the final Terranort fight is one where it's like, you know what? I give up. I'm just going to go grind until I am over-leveled for this fight and yeah. button-mash my way through it. Yeah, I knew those fights were coming, so that that's kind of what... And I hated doing them the first time around, so that's basically what I did. And even yeah. then, like, there are a couple where I just barely beat them. I don't even know what the second phase of that fight is like, where he brings out the, like, Heartless stand, because I just killed it too fast. Oh, it fucking sucks, dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Also, like, there's, there's the weird fight that Ventus has against Vanitas in Ventus's Mindscape, where, like, you have to oh, yeah, yeah, do yeah. That... the, like, like, the rotate the stick, and sometimes it just doesn't work. Yeah, that fight was, I, I didn't have that much trouble with, like, the QTE thing, but yeah, that fight was hard. It's weird, because, like, there were... Both when I first played that game and also when I replayed it, there were like at least three or four times when I would do that QTE and nothing would happen. Huh. And so I just have to survive for a little longer until it came up again. I don't know, okay. like, and, and that's not, a, apparently that thing just doesn't activate correctly sometimes because I'm huh. not the only one who had that problem when I went searching on forums. Oh, and like the lucky. only answer, and the only answer I was finding from people on other forums is just like just keep trying it <laughs> so wow. it'll work eventually Jeez, that's no good <laughs> yeah it sucks yeah uh how do you feel about the like and i agree with you the disney world thing kind of sucks but like in general how do you feel about how it like splits up the story the i like rise? it a lot actually yeah um i, I like I, it yeah go ahead I dig that there are three protagonists and that, uh, especially that one of them is a woman. Sure. So, like, yeah, we yeah. finally get a female character who does shit. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Uh, and also it helps that Aqua is the, like, bl like blatantly cooler than the others. Yeah, Aqua is the most competent person in the entire series, other than, like, maybe Riku. Yeah. And Goofy, obviously. Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> um, honestly, can we just get a Kingdom Hearts game where the team is Aqua, Goofy, and Riku? <laughs> <laughs> no, listen. If the next game doesn't have a team of Aqua, Riku, and Kyrie, I'm gonna riot. Oh, yeah, no, fair. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and we'll we'll have uh, we'll have nominate act as like the uh, the Jimmy. Yeah, or like. Uh, yeah, make her into, like, sort of a fusion of Jiminy Cricket and, like, Risei Kujikawa from Persona. Where, like, yeah, she's absolutely. Where she's, she's, like, she's acting yeah. as, like, she's constantly chiming in as your combat advisor or whatever. Right. I like that. Yeah. Um. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I think it was, it was I think it was kind of clever um, because it, it's not really a storyline. It's not really a type of narrative that Kingdom Hearts tried before or really right. tries again. Like yeah. they kind of do in 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 Dream Drop Distance, but a little bit. Um, but Dream Drop Distance doesn't have this. Doesn't try for the same dramatic irony that Birth yeah. by Sleep like goes hard for. I like the idea of like playing as three characters. Um, I. I think I would have liked it more if instead of, like, playing through the whole game as one and then the other and then the other, if it was, like, 
you play through this world as Aqua, and now now we're gonna cut over and see what Terra is up to, and like cut around in a yeah, way. Yeah, so that, make it like, more like how Dream Drop worked. Yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah, I I I do agree with that. I think it would have been neat to make the cast more intertwined. Right. And it would also like, and ideally, like you, uh, if it worked that way, you could just you know. St- like story reasons be damned like just keep the same library of command decks stuff so you wouldn't have to constantly yeah. be like grinding this the same things over and over whenever you start a new story absolutely which again is like dream drop yeah yeah because uh, like riku and like sora don't have like separate libraries of spirits or command decks they just you know right they have a few the that like only one of them can equip but they have the same library it just some yeah. of them are grayed out. Yeah, yeah. So I, yeah, I, I, I like I, I hadn't thought of it before now, but yeah, making it work more like Dream Drop, I think, would have benefited it a bit more. I think it would have uh, cut down on the feeling of repetition as well. Ironically enough, because like, yeah, if, if you just have it where you know, you do one part of the world and then, like, immediately cut to a different character doing another part, it feels more like a cohesive world, like how Kingdom Hearts 2 does it. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. Um, You know, where it's less like, oh, now I'm exploring the rest of this world, like, immediately, as opposed to finishing one playthrough and then going through the exact same order again. I- ironically, it feels more repetitious to just do it all, like, sp- spaced out like that. Yeah. Then just have it form a cohesive whole. And I just feel like they could have done a better job, like, hitting that dramatic irony you were talking about if they could have a little more control over the order in which you saw all the scenes. Yeah, because I think, like, clearly the intended order is Terra Ventus Aqua. Yeah, that seems right. Because, like, Aqua's kind of ties everything together. Right, and, like, Aqua's who you play as in, like, the ending. Yeah, yeah. Aqua's also, like, the final viewpoint character for the epilogue. So, like, they clearly intend you to do, like, either Terra Ventus Aqua or Ventus Terra Aqua. I can see it being, um, like, Aqua Ventus Terra, where it's, like, you play as Aqua, and she has an idea about how to solve everything, and then you play as the other two. You end it with revealing what happened to Terra, and then you cut into Aqua going to find out, you know? I, I want to say that actually someone in the Penny Arcade forum thread did mention they did it in that order, and they did actually like it that way. Yeah, I could see that making sense. Yeah. The only thing I'd say is that it would probably, I don't know, it'd probably be weird to start with Ventus. Yeah. Well, I'm saying start with Aqua. Yeah, I I know. I'm just saying, like, the, the Aqua, Aqua, Ventus, Terra makes a lot of sense. Terra, Ventus, Aqua makes oh, a lot oh, of sense. Oh, 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 I see what you're saying. An order that starts with Ventus makes less sense to me. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know I if I'm wrong that. about that or if I'm just stuck in my ways. Yeah, it might be totally fine. It's hard to say. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's, uh, I like a lot of the characters in this game. Honestly, like, the reason why I like Birth by Sleep so much is largely due to the characters and the storyline that they do. Yeah. Um, because Terra is a goddamn idiot, but he tries so hard. He might be the single dumbest person in the whole franchise, and this is a franchise with Sora in it. Yeah, he's yeah, because like it, at least Sora is smart enough to kn- to know that Maleficent is a bad person. <laughs> to know that Maleficent sounds like a synonym for bad. 
Yeah. Sora never once trusts Maleficent, whereas Terra's like, you seem legit. <laughs> like, 60% of Terra's Disney plots are just, oh, hi, villain. Oh, sure, I'll help you. Oh, no, I've been he bamboozled. He works with Captain Hook, a literal pirate. <laughs> like, surely you at least know what a pirate is, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do pirates not exist where you come from? Well, it is a very small land with just, like, a castle on it. I mean, maybe. I mean, like, Sora knows what a pirate is. Yeah, but he lives in the ocean. Good point. Yeah, I guess we don't actually know where Terra and Aqua come from. Yeah. Yeah, we don't really know anything about them. Um, yeah, because I think it's implied that, like, the world they start on is just, you know, where they're trained by Ericus, not necessarily their homeland. Because that's not Ericus's homeland either, it's just the land of departure. Right. I did get the impression, because, like, Ericus says a few times that he thinks of Terra like his son. I think Terra has been there for a very long time. Y- yeah, pos- Yeah, probably. Like, which I guess means that maybe was Terra orphaned? Like, maybe, yeah. I'm starting to realize that we really don't know all that much about Terra and Aqua. We really don't. We are, interestingly enough, we know less about them than we do Ventus. Yeah, yeah, because we know Ventus's past, even, like, leaving out the weird Union Cross stuff. Yeah. It's wild yeah. that I'm just realizing this. We know more about Ericus's past. Yeah, and we don't point. even play as him. <laughs> uh, what the fuck, Square? <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I I was kind of I don't know a little worried about this game because prequels can go bad so easily, and there are parts of this game that really lean into some prequely shit where it's yeah like, there there is definitely some over explaining going on the most blatant offenses being um aqua and Kyrie's interaction and tara and riku's that one's bad i don't think it's as bad as like lee and ventus yeah yeah or i just... think i think of the three pairings tara and riku is the one that is more makes the most sense and is feels the the least just unnecessary right because like he straight up just passes on the ability to wield the keyblade which is something that is just straight up a plot point and like a uh like a sore spot for riku in kingdom hearts one whereas like we didn't there's there's really no purpose to what Aqua does like with Kyrie as like oh no. I'll place my protection on you like, right so now if you're ever in danger your heart will go into someone you trust it's like you didn't need to explain that it was like the world was falling apart I can just believe that some weird magic bullshit happened it's fine yeah also like Kingdom Hearts one already explains why that happened like we see Kyrie's like ghost or whatever fall through Sora and that's when her heart goes into him right it's so unnecessary. Yeah. And then Lee, again, just being like, Hi, I'm Lee. Got it memorized? I want to make friends with everybody. Your face looks especially friendly. I'm always going to make friends with people who look like you, Ven. Yeah. It's like, why? You don't need to do that. Yeah. Uh. Honestly, there's a lot of dumb stuff that happens in Radiant Garden and Birth by Sleep. Yeah. They what even explain why enough? they even explain why Zigbar gets his scar. 
Yeah, they do. That one, I'm, I, I don't know, I'm more okay with that one. Like, someone shot his eye out, so yeah. why not Terra? Yeah, I guess the goofier it is, the more okay I'm, I am with it. Like, explain how Mickey lost his shirt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, here's my question, though, because now we know from Kingdom Hearts 3, Zigbar is really Lushu, and he's been the real puppet master all along. How many more games before he takes that eye patch off and it turns out he never lost his eye and he's got, like, the all-seeing eye from the, the keyblade on it or something? So he, so he, okay, but the all-seeing eye is already on the keyblade. Here's, no, let me pitch you on this. The Master of Masters is going to show up again in the next Kingdom Hearts. He's going to give No Name back to him and be like, oh, here's your eye back, Master. And then he's going to walk away with like his back to his master he's gonna take the eye patch off and the eye is gonna be in his head <laughs> oh so you're saying he replaced it yeah he with a, a fake, fake eye <laughs> yes i you know what i'd be i'd be really into that actually yeah because <laughs> i mean like if zigbar is any indication like lushu starts at, as like a relatively well-meaning person who just wants to do his master proud and then when he gets to the point where he's zigbar just becomes an absolute motherfucker i mean but lushu's the traitor isn't he yeah so From... lushu does end up being the traitor right uh but also we don't know if the master of masters always intended for him to be the traitor and told him to do that or right. if at that point he was actually corrupted because the master of masters like is diabolical himself it's very ambiguous whether he is a well-intentioned person yeah i mean you can easily read him either way yeah i i i'm willing to read him as well-intentioned through what we know of kingdom hearts union cross i'm not it kind of seems like he definitely has his own agenda in by the time we get to where he's zigbar well that's lushu that's not master of masters Oh, sorry. I mean, I mean, Lushu. I yeah, think yeah, Lushu yeah. is well intentioned. I, I don't know, because I think in in the you original think, Kingdom Hearts, you think maybe the reason he became a traitor is because he did look into the box. Because oh, like yeah, that, because oh, cause he that's absolutely the, looked into that dang box. Yeah, because that's the one instruction that Master Masters gave him, and Master Masters said that the person who becomes the traitor is the one who does not do what they were told that their role right, was. Exactly. Yeah, he absolutely dragged that box out into the desert, like we see in back cover, and then cracked that sucker open. Yeah, and like Lushu does make good on his promise to carry the carry the <laughs> he keyblade. He cracked open the that cooler and he drank all of the master's beer. Yeah, it cracked open a cold one with none of the boys. Yeah, because uh, well, they also say like the traitor is the one who bears the sigil, which none of them know what it means, but it's the X in Lushu's name. I I hate that I found that out through. I can't remember who I... I wonder if it was Waypoint that I found that out through. Yeah. Or who it was. But I hate... Maybe it was you, actually. It might have been me, yeah. Actually, I think it was you, because you mentioned that in your write-up, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I first learned that from you. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because the only thing that they call a sigil is the recusant sigil in Dream Drop, which is just the letter X. Yeah, which I I the, hate the that you're letter. better at this than me now. <laughs> Uh, the one thing uh, I had over you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Birth by Sleep, it's good. I like that it turns, like, the whole Kingdom Hearts mythos into being this, like, weird story about, like, pain and, like, like parental abuse. Yeah, also, yeah, especially in the case of Ventus. 
Yeah, absolutely. Like, it changes. It's not just this, like, big epic world saving thing anymore. Now it is, like, the core conflict of Kingdom Hearts is repairing the damage that an abusive father did to his adopted son. Yeah, and also you could argue, like, partially Ericus, because even though he loves his students like his children... He he was pretty quick to murder Ventus. Yeah, also he doesn't really... He treats them more as Keyblade wielders, like, than people. Yeah. That, like, have feelings and connections to him. Because, like, he just expects Ventus to do the right thing for the universe and like you know kill like kill himself for the greater right. good. It's it's the Shion argument, but unlike you know Shion, uh Ventus's friends stepped in and was like, "No, no, 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 no. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. Yeah. Yeah, so like yeah, Ericus's failing is that he, he sees them as like just, you know, Keyblade wielders who should, do, you know, do what must be done as opposed to, like, people he has a relationship with. Right. And, and like, that it, and that is more important. And, like, that kind of, like, Xehanort kind of correctly calls that out about him at the start of the game where he tells Terra that, like, oh, yeah, Ericus lives too close to the light that he's been blinded by it. And, like, yeah, kind of. Yeah. That's the thing about Xehanort is that he is an absolute bastard. But there's, like, a nugget of truth to the things he says, and that's what makes him, like... Which is why he's able to corrupt Terra so well. Right, yeah, Well, also because Terra's dumb, but partially because he's able to pick at threads that, you know, Ericus, like, leaves dangling. Yeah, and Xehanort's just out there, like, listen, no, 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 I'm not in favor of darkness. I just think we need to hear both sides. Yeah, what if we had a reasoned debate? (laughs) What, what if we just made dark and light equal? Eh, you know, maybe give dark, like, 13 to 7. You know, maybe don't make it perfectly equal. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we... <laughs> what if we what if we made an uh, electoral college? <laughs> yeah, Xehanort just wants to institute the electoral college. Yeah, we, we, have to, we have to protect the, the rural areas of darkness. <laughs> uh, God. Um, but yeah, no, Birth by Sleep is real good, and I love Aqua so dearly. My only issue with it is that I think because of the the way it splits the story into the three chunks, it feels a little rushed in places. Yeah. We're just like, okay, we need to get through all of this because you're going to have to see it three times, so we really can't. Yeah. Sometimes it feels like it's moving a little faster than I want it to. Yeah, the worlds feel small in comparison. I I almost wonder if, like, some of the worlds should have just been exclusive to certain characters. Like, maybe not. I kind of think it should be. Yeah. Yeah, Like, don't split some of them up, but, like, leave half of them as, like, exclusive. Like, give each character at least one exclusive world. Yeah, I think that would have like, worked a little bit. maybe Ventus gets the Stitch world because, really, he's the only one who, like, really has an interesting storyline in that world. Yeah, and then I wouldn't um, have to fight that bad boss that I don't like. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm not sure what world you give exclusively to Aqua. Maybe, uh... Maybe Cinderella? Yeah, that makes sense. Um, though, I don't know, if you give her, if you only give her that world, then you don't get Ventus saying, how did I get so small? <laughs> that's true. That's a pretty funny and that, part. I don't know if that's worth the sacrifice. <laughs> Maybe keep that one as a split world. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs>
Hey folks, this recording ended up going on for quite a bit longer than I initially expected, so to make the file sizes reasonable to work with, I ended up splitting this into two podcasts. You can find us talking about the rest of the Kingdom Hearts franchise in part two.